Because it's time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Right now. Now. Right here on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics, Frickers, Warner Automotive, by Blanchard Valley Health System, Rotor Rotor, Big B Coffee, by Northwestern Water and Sewer, Wilson Tire, Grits, by MJ Brown Construction Company, Premier Bank, Campus Poly by Financial Design Insurance Agency, Snyder's Flooring outlet, Ohio Automotive Supply, and by Seneca Millwork, Five Star Maintenance, and the Ropey Corporation. Three, two, one, let's hear it. Now, let's go live to Lance and Matt from the Fricker Studios for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you on this Wednesday night. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for this edition of the show, our first of 2023. Matt, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing good, man. A very happy new year to you. Um, always, always excited to get the new year off right with a high quality sports huddle. Um, I will say I have fallen victim at least three times already since the new year to the dreaded I'm still writing 2022. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be a bit of a learning curve. I still had that really weird. That was, I was clearly writing a two. Then I realized I need to write a three. So it's made that super awkward, big three over top of it. But outside of that, man, it's great. I mean, very fun holiday season. Hope everyone out there had a great holiday season. Last time we joined you, we read twas the night before Christmas and, all sorts of fun stuff. Now we're in the new year. It's getting into the nitty gritty for basketball season across the board. And man, we just got a great show on deck for you. So much fun stuff to talk about today. As Matt alluded to on this edition of the NWO Orthopedic Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios, we'll of course talk with Kevin Harris from the comeback off announcing and meet at midfield to talk Ohio State football. They lost in the college football playoff to Georgia. We'll hear from Kevin in just a few minutes. We'll also talk with Macomb coaches. We'll talk with Nick Latta from the boys' side and Jeremy Hurt on the girls' side. We'll hear from those Macomb coaches here in just a little while later on into this show. And we might not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight and get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. All daily specials are dine in only. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at frickers.com and matt as you uh, also alluded to in terms of basketball we've got a lot of games coming up over the next few nights and uh really all of them shape up to be some pretty good games too yeah actually we have some really really good games to kick off 2023 with so i i mean first of all it it, it is interesting being on wfob and working with tom it's there's most where i go lance I miss you, <laughs> but I know you miss me too. And you don't have to say it. It's okay. I won't put you on the spot on air, but uh, no, we actually have some really, really good games this week set up. This is a surprisingly stacked week of basketball games in the area. As Matt alluded to, and yes, I will not admit to missing you on the air. Thursday, we'll have coverage of SBC River Basketball. Hopewell Loudon taking on Old Fort. Matt and I will be over at Old Fort for that one. 
Thursday night that will be on both stations. And Friday night we'll uh, split our we'll split our different ways for Friday and Saturday. Friday on Classic Hits we'll have BBC action, Macomb taking on Arlington. Matt Brown and I have that one for you Friday. Luckily I only have to change one of the names rather than two, so that part certainly helps. And then on a Friday night over on WFOB, we'll have coverage of Vostoria Girls Basketball. They play host to Rossford. Matt Cotman and Tom Grine will have that one for you on WFOB on Friday. And then Saturday night on Classic Hits, we'll have coverage of Tiffin Columbian and their matchup with Bellevue. That game was originally supposed to be played right when those winter storms uh, came in right before Christmas. So we'll have the rescheduled matchup for that one Saturday. Uh, Matt Brown and I have that one for you Saturday night on Classic Hits. And then over on WFOB, Matt will continue our coverage with the SBC River. We'll have New Regal taking on Tiffin Calvin, which should shape up to be another good matchup. Matt Common and Tom Grind will have that one for you on Saturday. So yeah, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good games uh, across the board for both stations, Matt. I didn't realize you replaced me with another Matt. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. I did, but I'm going to try and act like I didn't on air. It's <laughs> replaced me with another Matt. That's just somehow makes me feel dirty. <laughs> just, just threw another well, Matt out there. Does it, no, does Matt it, Brown does a good job. Does he's it good. help that he's older? No. Why doesn't that help? It's well, not like, it's not like I replaced you with the Wonderkin. Oh, that is actually a good point. So I do I do have a little bit more job security. Now. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. With that. uh, no, in, in all sincerity, I, no. Matt Brown does a good job. It's it has been fun to listen to you guys on the rare occasion that Matt Brown has done some stuff on air for us. But he he does good. It should make for a good broadcast. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield to come back and awful announcing here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. It's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fostoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. Frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks. When there's no time to make food for your holiday party, carry out four pounds of frickin' chicken chunks for only $34.99. Give the gift that always fits a $25 Frickers gift card and get five frickin' bonus bucks free. Let them get what they really want. Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Dawn. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. 
A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. And by the caring employees of the Ropey Corporation. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you on this Wednesday night. Happy to be back here in 2023. The Buckeyes fell basically right as it hit midnight into 2023, though, as they lost to Georgia in the opening round of the college football playoff. You can hear Buckeye football and basketball all season long on WFOB. We are now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer for Meet at Midfield, along with Awful Announcing and the comeback here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Kevin, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you guys? Oh, as we uh, as we alluded to before we're, uh, we went on air, we're okay in the fact that we are alive, we are living and breathing, but not okay in the fact of, well, we all know exactly why with, uh, with how... Ohio State loses to Georgia in the college football playoff. What were what were the big takeaways from you as someone who was very optimistic for what Ryan Day could call heading into the game? How did that uh, live up to the expectations for you? Yeah, honestly, you know, I had been pretty critical of Ryan Day. Um, you know, if, if you've uh, if you've seen my um, I don't know my writing my TikTok or anything like that. I'd been pretty critical of Ryan Day um, heading into this game, and not just like on a, in a one specific scenario. Just at some point, like when you get to these games, you've got to win. You know, like it's super cool that he's made you know three college football playoffs and is like what like forty five and six at this point now. Like it's a really good record, but like at some point when you have the most talented team in the country, like you, you got to win something. Um, but honestly, like. I think a lot of us, especially over at our other site, were like ready for this to be a blowout and for the narrative against Ryan Day to get even worse. But honestly, like this was as good of a performance as he specifically could possibly have um, in a loss, really. You know, I, I think this was personally his best game plan since, I mean, maybe even better than that 2020 win over Clemson. He just, you know, obliterated Georgia. Um, he had a really, he had a really, really, really smart game plan, which I've been calling for for a long time. Basically, my complaint with the offense over the past, heading into the Georgia game, basically, was it just felt like a grab bag. Like it felt like they were just like calling plays, like it was Madden. Like, oh, let's try this one. Let's try this one. Whereas, like, that's not how Ryan Day typically runs his offense. Um, he typically like loves to come up with tendencies. And so then when a team stops that one thing, then he can counter off of it because they've overcorrected to a different place. And that's exactly what he did. And um, you develop tendencies with your best players. And that's exactly what he did early in the game. You saw him really kind of forcing the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. And, you know, he was making plays. Uh, I think there were like four or five passes that went his way in like the first five, 10 minutes of the game. And then suddenly later in the game, everything else starts to open up, especially those crossing routes to like Julian Fleming and Omeka Obuka. Um, you know, like there's just a lot open in that game because of the way they were able to set it up in the, uh, in the um, passing game early on in the, in the game. And so I, I just really liked that approach. It worked great. Um, you know, Ohio State just sliced apart Georgia secondary for the most part. And that's not something that Tennessee was able to do this year. You know, it, it, they just looked really good. It was a great game plan. Uh, obviously, there were several times in the game um, when both teams kind of came back from from a, an earlier an early advantage or 
um, you know, kind of multiple scores down. And it was a really back and forth game, but uh, obviously Ohio State couldn't get that last punch in um, and they ended up settling for that 50 yard field goal or whatever. But um, yeah, it, it was it was a great game. Honestly, like it's as good as you can feel about a loss is <laughs> is an Ohio State fan. Because uh, it was a great game plan, um, and they really had a, a real chance to win against a, a really good Georgia team. So, Kevin, I'm going to quote Mr. Meeseeks here when I say existence is pain <laughs> ever since that game. I, I am curious because I've seen the narrative start to develop already of people saying, oh, this Georgia team has a bend but don't break it. I, I don't mean to disagree lance with your intro or anything like that but kevin i I would love your take on this this really feels more like georgia literally survived that like the the better team did not actually win this game it was simply a matter of a kick going wide left was the difference between georgia going home and them magically surviving this game because it really felt like as you allude to between ryan day's play calling what you were getting from marvin harrison jr what you were getting from fleming abuka basically anyone they threw in the backfield at any particular time and especially from cj stroud so just the hero ball performance he was putting on through most of the game it really felt like ohio state was the better team in this game from start to finish and just through sheer dumb luck they ended up with one less point than the other team yeah, you know, I I think that's a that's a fair assessment, and I also think like how I explained that the game went, especially offensively. Um, there's a reason why Ohio State wasn't able to really do much offensively in the fourth quarter because they didn't have Marvin Harrison Jr. And so when you base kind of your entire offensive game plan around one player, which you know to be fair makes all the sense in the world, that's the best receiver in the country, um, and that receiver goes out, like there's not a whole lot you can do in a quarter to figure out how to find offense somewhere else, especially when you're also missing, you know, Cade Stover, which there's plenty of reasons why this is a thing, but he was one of the more important players in the offense, not because he's a great tight end, just because he's one of the only guys who can do everything on the offense. And it kind of limits you um, in terms of personnel packages and formations and stuff like that that uh you can do when Cade Stover isn't in the game so really like you're in the fourth quarter trying to figure out how you can come up with some points to win this game and obviously they couldn't you know I think uh, the way that this offense was cruising I think there's no reason to think it was cruising uh, way before the the Marvin Harrison Jr. injury too you know like um I don't know I, I I think that injury is really what saved Georgia uh that he couldn't play it changed Ohio State's offense there wasn't much they could do. I mean, you, you watched the game, you could see the, the only thing that was working consistently for Ohio state was CJ Stroud's legs because the, I mean, Georgia was just dropping guys into coverage and blanketing the the coverage and CJ Stroud was just, okay, well, I guess I'll take this 10, 15 yards, whatever. And he almost, he almost won the game for them that way. But I don't know. It was, it, I, I can perfectly see your assessment. Georgia, Georgia played well, you know, like uh, especially offensively, they made the, the plays that they needed to make. Um, I mean, granted, one of them was when a uh, safety fell down, but you know, it's it's just it is what it is. Um, I think it's it's definitely like it feels much more fluky than a loss that Ohio State's had in a while. You know, this feels a lot like that 2019 Clemson loss that it feels like Ohio State was the better team the entire game, and it's just not reflected in the final score. 
Talk with Kevin Harris from the comeback along with awful announcing and meet at midfield here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers studios. And Matt alluded to it with uh, talking about C.J. Stroud and calling in hero ball. And I think all things considered with uh, the passing numbers, almost 350 yards, the willingness to run. Have you have we seen a performance granted also in this game much needed as well? Have we seen a performance anywhere really even close to that from C.J. Stroud, even though he's had games where he had as many incompletions as touchdowns and had, you know, five, six touchdowns throughout the season? Putting up that performance in this game was really what almost was the complete difference for Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, this was, I think, the his best performance of his career. Um, you know, I think he answered a lot of critics. He's He's been getting a lot of criticism the past few weeks. Um just because I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Ryan Day. Like he's the best quarterback in the country. Um, at least one of them has been one of the best quarterbacks in the country for the past two years. He's been a Heisman finalist two years in a row, but like, what does he want? You know, and um, maybe that's not fair, but that's been the conversation. And the fact is that he is going to leave his career without a single playoff win, um, without a win over Michigan, without a Big Ten title. Like he, he hasn't won anything. But I think he really answered a lot of critics the way that he played against Georgia because that game was not on him. You know, like he did everything he could. And he honestly, he gave them a chance to win at the end of the game with his legs, which is not his biggest asset. I He played a as close to a perfect game against an awesome defense as he possibly could. Um, he was willing to do whatever it took. And that was I mean, that was what he needed to do. And, um, you know, I I don't think there's any sane person after that game that's uh, you know, talking anything bad about CJ Stroud. And I think he really, really helped his draft stock going forward too, because I mean, that was what NFL teams are going to want to see. Uh, he put it all on the line and he was spectacular. Like there's, there's no, no other way to talk about it. Even in the fourth quarter, like it was very clear that he was the only offense. Like he was the offense. He was making things work with his legs. He was making absurd passes and stuff like that. Like he almost single-handedly won that game for Ohio State. He put them in field goal range. Would have been nice to get five yards closer or something like that. But, you know, he he gave them a chance at the end of the game, and that was what he needed to do. Um, re- Real quick with C.J. Strauss, what you talked about, really helped out his draft stock as well. Do, do you think there might be something to be said for he may have also proven, like, himself, and e- even a little bit, I'm sure we'll get to the other end of the uh, college football playoff semifinals and previewing the finals themselves here in a little bit, but even someone like Max Dugan, is it possible that they both kind of availed themselves of, Hey, maybe we should have been the top two vote getters for the Heisman as well, based on their performances. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, you look at Caleb Williams, he didn't have a really good bowl game at all. Um, but I, I, Definitely. And I, I mean, you, you know, my stance on this, I've, I've made this point already. Like, I don't, I think it increasingly makes no sense that we vote for the Heisman trophy before the postseason, And it's going to make even less sense when we have a 12 team postseason where some teams are playing up to three games in the postseason. Like it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, but you know, I, it, it's not my job, but I, I, I think that they should wait to give the Heisman Trophy out after the postseason when players can actually earn themselves. Because I don't, I don't think Caleb Williams would have won the Heisman after the like after the postseason. I, I think that you know Dugan or um, 
I mean, Bryce Young had an had an awesome game too. Like I, I'd argue that Caleb Williams might not even finish in the top three if of the Heisman Trophy if he revoted. Um, so I don't know. I it's obviously just not the way it's done. So it's kind of like a a moot point in arguing it. But um, I I don't think that Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the country this year, and uh, I don't think that um, he I, in in a if you voted after the season, I don't think that he would be voted probably the Heisman Trophy uh, or Heisman Trophy winner. So um, it's it's a valid point. And, you know, I've been talking about it already a few weeks before, but it's probably not going to change. But I, I, I would like to see that change. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, off announcing and the comeback and switching sides of the ball to the defense. Obviously, no good allowing as many points as they did, but we did see some things here and there defensively that we wouldn't have seen in past years. What was kind of your take on what we saw on the defense? Yeah, I mean it was it was very odd. You know, it was like it was like the defense was great from the start and then they slipped and kind of let Georgia get back in the game and then they had it like an awesome third quarter. Just like an absolutely awesome third quarter and you know, I I I think they put Ohio State up maybe it was 17 points. I don't even I don't remember exactly how many points they put uh Ohio State up, but um, you know, they, they shut Georgia down in that third quarter. And then that fourth quarter was, uh, was just a killer. And so I, I don't know, it's obviously, I, I think that it's just hard because the reality is that if the reality is, if this defense performs better in the fourth quarter, Ohio state wins. And so it's really hard to like, not be concerned about the defense after that. But at the same time, like, I don't know, it, part of it felt like fluky too. Um, there were a few questionable, in my opinion, questionable schematic choices, like going cover one out of the blue on that touchdown where, um, that wide open touchdown in the, in the fourth quarter. I don't know. It, there were just, there are a lot of things. I think by and large, the Ohio state defense has improved this year, but the reality is like, they are the reason the defense is the reason why, why Ohio state lost. Like there, there's no way around it. The defense is the reason why Ohio state lost that game. Your offense gives up scores 41 points or however many points it scored it was it was 41 Ohio State scores 41 points and its defense lets it down like Ohio Ohio State had the offensive performance to win that game Um, at the same time I think it's kind of one of those things that works in unison because like if you really look at it Georgia was getting a lot more offensive opportunities when Ohio State stopped moving the ball and stopped threatening on offense too. So I think like that's another one of those things where if Marvin Harrison Jr. stays in the game, it's insane that it's it's really just that simple. But if if Marvin Harrison stays in the game, I think that the defense is able to get more of a breather. They're able to come up with more schematic things, make some changes. Um, Georgia's put in a, a worse position with field position and stuff like that. Um, and more than that, like if Ohio State scores one more touchdown or one more score in the fourth quarter, I think that game's out of reach. So um, as much as it that de- that fourth quarter defensive performance was not great and people are probably going to want to fire Jim Knowles already, um, it, it you still should have won that game. You know, I don't know. It's I, I'm not too worried about it, I, partially because I don't think there's a defensive coordinator that you could throw out there that was going to fix the problems that happened in in the fourth quarter, I think a lot of it is personnel based. And so um, when you put players in a position to succeed and they 
fall down or don't succeed or aren't making tackles and stuff like that, like that there's only so much you can do about that. So I'm not too cut up about that. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think by and large, the defense has improved. The scheme has improved way, way more than last year. So while it was a defensive issue, I'm not like long-term concerned about that. I I mean, I, I will say, Kevin, I am one of those people that I am slightly calling for the head of Knowles just because I'll be honest, I'm looking at it. And the way I figured that the team was good. So talk me off this ledge. The the team did have talent there. Obviously the defense, not as extremely talented as it's been in years past, but I look at the last three games, 30 points against Maryland, 45 against Michigan, 42 against Georgia. Now to be perfectly fair, two of those teams are number one and number two in the country going into the college football playoffs. So yeah, it's, it's reasonable, but both of those games involved complete meltdowns in the fourth quarter. So I, I guess my question to you is, do, do you really feel at that point that really is a personnel kind of thing? Or is that a coaching kind of thing and schematic kind of thing, which in that case, that does fall on Knowles because that's what two out of the last three games. I mean, the Maryland one, it just seems like Maryland always gives us a hard time, but that was a pretty colossal meltdown against Michigan in the fourth quarter. And you can kind of make an argument of a pretty big meltdown again in the fourth quarter against Georgia. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's both. I think the the way that this defense plays like the, the one, the one schematic critique you can have is that the defense plays super aggressive and it plays to get to the quarterback. And, um, if if you don't get to the quarterback, it does put a lot of stress on your on your uh, defensive backs to make plays downfield. I think the the problem is like especially late in the game they weren't getting pressure, they weren't getting to the quarterback. I think they were early in the game, and that's why the defense looked awesome. It the defense looks incredible when you're getting sacks, you're getting tackles for loss, and stuff like that. When the the front you know five or so are are playing super aggressive, you know you had Zach Harrison getting a a huge tackle for loss early in the drive. I think. Uh, there, there were a few, they didn't get a ton of sacks, but there were a lot of like negative yardage plays or just, you know, hands in the face of Stetson Bennett and stuff like that. There's an interception that was forced because of the pressure. So when it, when it works, it, it is doing great. But when you're late in the game and you can't get pressure on the quarterback and you've got guys falling down in the secondary and stuff like that, like that is a problem. Um, so I think like the truth is it's, it is both. It's it's a, a problem that you're sitting back and it's a problem that that you're putting players that cannot succeed in a position for them to not be able to succeed. But also like this is Ohio State. You shouldn't have a problem getting players that can hold in coverage for like three seconds or something like that. You know, like the reality is if you had some of the cornerbacks or um, some of the safety play that Ohio State is accustomed to in recent years this shouldn't be a problem whatsoever you know like this is they called ohio state bia for a reason like the the defensive backs were the best in america if you've got guys like malik hooker back there or gary and conley or marshawn Lattimore, eli apple um damon arnett jeff akuda even like sean wade the the reality is that like that's just not who's back there right now and so like you you can talk about the scheme and it's like, oh, you're not putting these players in a position to succeed. But like on some level, 
Ohio, if 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 the players cannot succeed in the position that they're put in on some level, like maybe they shouldn't be starting for Ohio State. And so I, I think that if you really look back at the recruiting rankings, the uh, classes that have come in, this really is just kind of a soft spot in 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 guys who they recruited. And like, frankly, they did not get their top choice in a lot of guys that should be playing right now. Jordan Battle. Uh, he he was supposed to be at, at Ohio State. They lost him late in the recruiting cycle um, because they had a, a, a switch it um, in their defensive backs coach. Uh, Clark Phillips is now at Utah. Same sort of thing. Both of those guys are legit star players at their teams that they were at, and they were longtime Ohio State commits that flipped pretty much on signing day to to other places. If those two guys are in Ohio State's secondary, it's not a problem. So I I think like it is true that it's scheme, but also like. I don't think that it's out of the question to expect the players that are kind of being put in a bad position to thrive in the position that they're being put in. So um, that's why I'm not really like freaking out about it because when you're giving up an 80 yard touchdown, because somebody misses a tackle in the flats or somebody just falls on their face or um, you know, somebody has, has a busted coverage or something like that. And like, that's the reality of most of the, the big points that are being scored. So um I I think also you have to take into consideration that Georgia is also a really good team too. Like this is not like a cupcake, terrible offense that it, that, you know, strolled in here and annihilated Ohio state. Like this is, this is honestly like as good as it gets. So I, I personally would have been very afraid of seeing what TCU would have done to that secondary. Um, but we're, we're, we're not going to get there. So we're just going to pretend like it would have been fine. You know, that makes two of us. I'm going to jump in real quick over you, Lance. But there was some news that came out yesterday concerning Ohio State and in particular the secondary that we are actually going to be getting Jihad Carter, the yep. safety from Syracuse. So just real quick follow up on that. Where do you see him fitting in in this safety driven defense that Knowles wants to run? Yeah, well, Ohio State, their base defense has three starting safeties, and that's new uh, this year. I don't think Ohio State fans are really used to that. Usually Ohio State runs a pretty standard 4-3 defense where you've got four down linemen, three linebackers, two safeties, two corners. And that's really not what what it is anymore. Um, and, and previously, when Ohio State did go to a, a um, five defensive back look, they would bring on an extra cornerback instead. Now Ohio State's base defense is three corners, two or three safeties, two cornerbacks. And so it's really important. I think that if you it's it's really important in modern college football to have good safety play. I think that it kind of switches back and forth depending on how teams are are designed offensively, um, which player is the most important player on a defense. And I think in modern modern college football, the safety is the most important person on a football field. And it's just because that guy has to be super versatile. Um, he is capable of making plays against the run, uh, making plays in the backfield. He can blitz. He's big enough to handle tight ends, but quick enough to handle wide receivers and stuff like that. And Ohio State wants to build their defense around those guys. And so the the problem that Ohio State was running into is um, when you're kind of installing that defense, you can't just like magically come up with those guys that exist, you know, like, um, Ohio state, frankly, like it, it, they did a great job coming up with the, the, the three players that they had this year, which turned out to be Tanner McAllister was a transfer from Oklahoma state. Um, 
you know, he came with uh, Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. And then you had Ronnie Hickman and um, Lathan Ransom. And only one of those guys, Lathan Ransom, is going to be back. Uh, Ronnie Hickman declared for the NFL draft before the Michigan game. And honestly, frankly, he's been the most disappointing or the the worst one the of the last two games against Michigan and, and against uh, um, Georgia. Like he did not perform well at all um, in either of those two games. Um, I, I think Lathan Ransom has been the best of the three, especially late in the season. So optimistically, he's the he's the best one that's returning. Um, I think that Sonny Styles, uh, he was the a five star prospect. He should have still been in high school this year. He enrolled early. He finished his senior season early. Um, you know, came to Ohio State a year early and has been with the Buckeyes this year. Even though this should have been his senior year in high school, and he was playing a lot in that game. Um, and especially in the first quarter early in the game, like he, and he played well, um, it was good to see him out there, but he's has all the talent in the world. I expect him to fill in one of those other spots next year um, when he's not supposed to be a, a senior in high school. And uh, so that leaves kind of one more safety, safety spot for them to go in. I'm not a hundred percent sure where, which spots each of these guys are going to fill, but um, reality is like, this is a kid that, um, that started at stand or started at Syracuse um, he was an all fresh, like freshman, all American his freshman year. And he was uh, honorable mention all ACC this year. He's, he's a talented guy. Um, I think he's coming in and is going to expect to start immediately. Uh, and so uh, hopefully just gradually Ohio state's going to build this safety position out to where it is really the, the target and recruiting. And it's where kids want to come out of high school. Like I want to go play safety at Ohio state and Jim Knowles's defense, because I know that I'm going to be the focal point of that defense. So I think we're, we're close to that. And um, that's really the thought behind this recruiting. And honestly, like to me, that, that commitment kind of came out of the blue. I just started hearing about it first yesterday. Um, it seemed like they were not, I mean, it, it's hard to recruit the transfer portal when you're trying to win a national championship, but um, there weren't a lot of, active targets or a lot of active momentum going on in the transfer portal. So I was really happy to see that the only guys who they'd landed out of the portal previously before that was a, uh, a long snapper. And I believe a, a punter, maybe a kicker. I don't remember. Um, but it, they did not have a lot of action going on in the portal. So uh, maybe that'll kickstart things, but I, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is for this team to land um, safeties and defensive backs uh, in the next few recruiting cycles. Talk with Kevin Harris, rider from Meet at Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Switching gears to the other semifinal game as we've touched on, TCU against Michigan. Crazy back and forth game, multiple pick sixes. What were your thoughts on what we saw in that game as a, I, I, I guess, more than an appetizer, but still technically the appetizer to the Ohio State game uh, over the weekend? Oh, yeah, it was, that was a fantastic game. I, I think like, most people watching that game were like, wow, the Georgia game can't possibly live up to this, but then it did, you know, it was uh, a, probably the best two semifinal games I've seen since the college football playoff uh, really came about. So I don't know, like it, there were several times credit to Michigan. There were several times in that game where I was like, ah, I guess I can turn this off. This game's over. And Michigan came right back and with a quick score or something like that. And then it would look like TCU would put together like a, an insane series of plays or something like that and seemed to bury Michigan again. And then they would come right back. So it was, a, it was a crazy back and forth game. Um, 
really like that was exactly what you want, especially as like a, a neutral um, just observer. Like I just wanted to sit down and watch the chaos. Like that was everything I wanted and more from a football game. It was extremely fun. Um, I I cannot believe how high scoring that ended up being. But um, that was like I, I mentioned it earlier, but I was simultaneously like looking at that and I'm like, oh, man. If if this is what Michigan's doing to this TCU off or TCU defense through the air, like I can't wait to see what Ohio State does. And then I'm seeing what TCU's doing to Michigan. And I'm like, oh man, if this is what TCU's doing to this Michigan secondary. Like, I really don't want to see what this team does to Ohio State. So obviously Ohio State's not gonna end up playing TCU. It's gonna be Georgia, but I'm very excited for that matchup too. So uh, on a follow-up, I'm kind of with you. I mean, the game was so so good. I, I I will actually go out on a limb and agree with you 100 percent and say that I, I, this may have been the best college football playoff semifinal round that we've had yet, and it, I, it's one of the rare occasions where you know at the end of the day I, I am very confident that the committee actually got it right because of how good these games were. Having said that, why couldn't Michigan have just lost ugly? I mean, I wanted to turn the game off, get back to the white elephant gift exchange I was going on with my family. And every couple of minutes, Michigan just had to magically come back in it a little bit. It's uh, when, when you watch this kind of game, you talked about that you weren't expected to be high scoring. Is this more indicative of what TCU is capable of? Or did Michigan's defense just not get off the bus that particular game? I, I know there are some pick sixes and some other things that factored into it that gave TCU some short fields to work with as well. But I mean, we kind of saw this Michigan defense really tear people up throughout most of the year. So dropping 51, were they really just pretenders or is TCU just actually that good? No, I, I mean, I, I think it's both. I mean, the I, I don't think Michigan played its best game defensively, and I, I think that contributed contributed to it. But I mean, I think this TCU offense is awesome. It's like, I don't know, it's they have figured out who they are and it's a team that just wants to sling the ball all, all over the field and get players in space and stuff like that. And they've gone right after it. And you, I can see and this team is not the same team that I watched earlier in the season. I think probably even on this show earlier in the season, I was talking about how TCU seemed like a fraud. Eventually they were going to lose the game, but it's like, it's one of those teams that they lucked into winning a lot of early season games. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, they're playing their best football and they legitimately look like a team that deserved the record that it, that they had. They did not deserve to win a lot of the games they won early in the season, but now they are legitimately one of the um, best teams in college football and capable of winning a national title. And I think like, if anything, that is why I'm excited to move to a 12 team playoff because how many more teams like TCU could slip into the, into the national title race at the end of the year, like, had TCU lost one of those early season games, there's a very good chance that this team wouldn't have been playing for a national title, wouldn't have had a chance to beat Michigan and, and advance to the to the title game. And the reality is that like now they're one of the better teams in the country and they absolutely deserve to be here. So um, I'm excited to see that potentially happen more with teams who might lose early in the season, but turn it on at the end of the season and realize that that, that one loss early in the season didn't really like rule them out so um tcu kind of lucked in with with winning all of those like one crazy one score uh early season games and here they are uh in in the title game but um 
I don't know. I, I just think that it's a team offensively that has gotten better and better and better every week, especially as the season came to a close. And now it's kind of in like its final form and Michigan got a taste of that. Talk with Kevin Harris, rider for me at midfield awful announcing and the comeback here on the NWO orthopedics sports huddle. Let's let's get into it. National title on Monday, Georgia against TCU, Georgia, of course, looking to end back-to-back national titles after everything we saw in their first games. What kind of game are you expecting on Monday? It's really, it's really tough. Um, I, I think there is a very clear difference in, and you saw this between when Ohio state blasted Clemson and then lost Alabama. There's a very clear difference when you're game planning for a month for an opponent versus when you're game planning for a week for a also very good opponent. So, um, from that capacity, I kind of think Georgia is going to have the advantage because I think Georgia just has the advantage uh, in more positions on the field. Um, but I, I would not be shocked to see TCU come out and, and make things difficult on Georgia because of the way, especially Ohio State had a lot of success on Georgia's secondary. Um, but my concern for TCU is whether that offensive line will hold up. Uh, Ohio State was able to do what it did because the offensive line had a dominant performance against Georgia's uh, defensive front. And I'm not as optimistic that TCU is going to be able to do that. And if they cannot at least hold Georgia in check on the offensive line, I think Georgia could, you know, make it very difficult to do what they did to Michigan. Um, and I, I mean, you look back at what Georgia did to Tennessee, that Georgia defense did to Tennessee, and it was absolutely suffocating. So um, I think the key to the game will be TCU's offensive line at least doing something against that incredible Georgia front uh, to give Dugan and those receivers some time to make some plays. If they can do that, they have a chance, but I do think Georgia has the advantage just because they have more talent um, and a decisive advantage in the trenches, I think. And follow-up question for me, Stetson Bennett, the fourth country club kid, son of an oil baron, or like was family like 10 generations back governor. Cause it's, you don't have a name like Stetson Bennett the fourth without yeah. some ridiculous backstory. So I, I I'd like your your prediction on what that backstory is. I don't know. It it just it feels peak Georgia to me. Like it's like it's like old South where like people are just that into themselves that many generations that they're like, ah, I need I need my my son to be named after me. I don't know. It's just it's very it's very south, like very uh rural Georgia. Not not quite rural, but like suburban ish georgia uh to me really feel it should be connected with like a foghorn leghorn type something like that yeah 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 (laughs) oh but this has been kevin harris writer from meet at midfield off announcing and the comeback we of course follow you on twitter at kevinish and on tiktok at hi i am kevin kevin thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us all season long we'll find we'll find some excuse to catch up here in the next few months whether it's uh, final uh, stuff for signing day, or if Jim Harbaugh actually does end up leaving Michigan. <laughs> Sounds good, guys. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Macomb Head Boys basketball coach Nick Latta here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Think you can't qualify for a car loan because of your past credit, bankruptcy, divorce, even repossessions and charge offs? Well, think again and turn the corner to Warner. 
Warner Buick GMC can help you find the money you need for a car. Call 419-429-6157. That's 419-429-6157. Or apply online at warnerbuickgmc.com. Let Warner help you get a car today. For price, selection, and service, Warner won't be beat. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are iron worker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Iron Workers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Come on now, you know you've heard of those famous breadsticks. The ones oozing with cheese and a variety of other toppings you can choose from? That's right. The ones from Campus Poly Ice, the world famous ones. Don't forget Campus Poly Ice for tasty subs, pizza, your favorite beer, and even salads. One of Finley's best kept secrets. Don't forget to try the house-made ranch dressing. Getting your favorite goodie from Campus Poly Ice is easy. Located at 339 South Blanchard Street, Campus Poly Ice offers dine-in, carry-out, or delivery. What you waiting on? Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if auto owners make sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Friday night we'll have coverage of BVC basketball. The Macomb Panthers will hit the road to take on the Arlington Red Devils. Matt Brown and I will have that one for you Friday on Classic Hits 96.7. We are now pleased to be joined by Macomb head boys basketball coach Nick Latta here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? Oh, doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you again for for taking the time to talk with us. Always, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Yeah, same to you. For you, what was it like for you uh, getting ready for this season? Because, you know, unfortunate for the school maybe somewhat fortunate for you football teams uh their season ended maybe a little earlier than it should have so what was kind of that process like of getting ready for the season uh it's still the same around here you know we were we were still three weeks later than everybody else um, but that's normal for us as usual um you know it gave us about a week and a half to prepare for our first game um, so it, it's a quick process um, and especially add on top of that we had a lot of injuries this year um, from football, especially that last game of football. Um, so it, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind of the first month of the season. Um, but here we are, it's January. It's time to start turning the corner. Yeah. And coach, you, you mentioned the injury. So I, I guess a two part question. Do, do you ever talk to coach Algie and say, Hey, six and four is okay. You know, just a little <laughs> bit above a winning record. That, that's fine. It's good. Keep, keeps you in the running for, you know, consistent success but um in all seriousness you mentioned the injuries coming in from the end of the season how have you guys how, how do you feel the team has done adapting around that building and having that next guy up mentality while people were and still are in some instances recovering from those 
Uh, first off, we never talked to Coach Algie about six and four. He'd be really <laughs> disappointed if I did that. Uh, <laughs> and we don't want that. We, you know, success breeds success, and that's something that we've always you know, kind of, uh, build upon here. And, um, but injury wise, you know, the guys have done a really good job of adapting to what we needed, uh, especially early in the season, we were missing a few guys for the first four or five games. And, uh, you know, a couple other guys stepped up for us and, and we were happy with what they did and, you know, probably earned themselves some more playing time as the, as the, uh, season progresses here. But, uh, you know, we're, we're almost back to full strength. I, I, I want to say that, you know, everybody's back to playing, but not everybody's 100% yet, but we're almost there. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Classic hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with Macomb Head Boys basketball coach Nick Latta. And you lost one senior from last year's team in Caden Sherrick, so might have only been one guy, but... Caden sure did a lot for you on both ends of the court, inside and out. How much of an impact did his loss uh, have when you were getting ready for the season on top of the late start and on top of the football injuries? Uh, you know, losing Caden was a big one for us. So he did a lot for us last year. Um, but, you know, we, we, we really concentrate on this year. And we knew we have a lot of guys coming back from that team from last year. You know, we have five, six Letterman coming back and a couple guys that, you know, could have lettered last year as well coming back for us. And, you know, we were really hopeful to, to build off of what we ended with last year. I know it ended not very well in the sectional tournament, but before that we were playing pretty, pretty good basketball. And I, it was a team that I don't think anybody really wanted to play. Um, and, and we're hopeful that we can get back to that kind of basketball here in this month and, and build towards that run in February. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, and guys have to put some time into it and hopefully get their shots back and, uh, you know, work themselves into basketball shape a little bit more than what we have so far. Yeah. And coach, you talk about that, the ongoing development game back into basketball shape game back in this way of things, but having those return returning players, I mean, it's look at the roster. This is, well, it seems like you have the mindset of once everyone's up and running, you're back to, full strength, full basketball mode. This is a pretty deadly looking roster this season. Yeah, it can be. And like I said, we need to put a little bit more time in, um, you know, into the gym and get our shots back and, and hopefully start making some shots. Our, our shooting percentage is not the greatest. Um, we shoot the ball well from three point range. Um, but, you know, overall, our shooting percentage is not good. And you can even see it in our BBC stats with our free throw percentage is, is really, really poor right now. Um, so, you know, yes, we do have a roster that's, that's full of guys that have varsity experience. Um, and I don't like to make excuses and I'm not making excuses, but we really need to we really need to get back into that basketball shape and back into the, you know, the mode of playing basketball. And as you've alluded to, a couple of tough games uh, throughout the first uh, part of the season, three and five on the record so far. What can you say about your team with, you know, as you mentioned, the injuries, the late start, all those things, you know, kind of thrown into the cocktail of starting the season. What can you say about what your team has been through the first month or so of the year? Well, I can tell you one thing. We're playing pretty well at home right now. We're three and oh at home and oh and five on the road. Um, and it's, it's, it's weird because we do, we do some things at home that we do not do on the road very well. Um, but you know, one thing that we are, we're really concentrating on this week and then in the following weeks is, you know, making sure that we're handling the ball, limit our turnovers and sit down and play defense. Those things are going to get us back to where we need to be.
And coach, I mean, looking at the early part of the schedule, it's yet three and five, as you allude to, especially on the road, a little bit of struggles, but I mean, my goodness, some of the teams that you have put some W's on, they're impressive in their own right. In particular, look at that Van Lue game and then Riverdale as well, having a pretty decisive win in both those matchups. Uh, those two in particular, what were some of the big takeaways that you saw for your team to, you know, okay, we, we got some good things going here. Yeah, Riverdale was the first game of the season, and, and we came out like a ball of fire. Uh, you know, we scored 79 points that night, but we did see some of those some of those little things in that game um, where we knew we need to improve on defensively. We weren't very good that night, and uh, but you know we had some success that night. Uh, we came back and we played Van Lu a few weeks later, and and again, Jerome got 27 on us, but I felt really good about that. Uh, that guy's a really that kid's a really good basketball player, and. He scores the ball really well, but I thought defensively that night we played played pretty good. Um, and, and, you know, those are the things that we're going to look at and build off of, watch the film as, as coaches, as coaches and, and hopefully, you know, like I said, we can build towards being better here in this month and then and especially in February and March. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Lance Moritz, Matt Common talking with McComb Head Boys basketball coach Nick Ladin. One thing I'm curious about is you guys had a little bit of staff turnover uh, coming into this season. Uh, Sean Ginnan got the girls varsity job over at Van Lu. Uh, Kurt Longworth, who's been with you as an assistant in a couple different capacities, now an assistant at Van Buren, so just down the road. And you now have uh, Doug Oates as your new JV coach. What can you tell about what he brings to the staff and kind of overall some of those changes heading into the year? Uh, you know, we actually had one really late change as well. Doug was not supposed to be our JV coach. Um, Nathan Zerker, who is actually at Van Buren as well as their JV coach, was plugged in to be our JV coach as of September 15th. Um, and, and, you know, Van Buren offered him something that he couldn't resist. Uh, he's a teacher at Van Buren. I do not blame Nathan at all um, for anything. He, he, you know, he, he was really slotted to be our JV coach. Uh, he did a great job with our kids this summer, really loves the game of basketball. So Doug was actually a late addition. Uh, we're appreciative of Doug. Doug brings a lot of knowledge to us. Um, you know, he's been a varsity head coach and uh, Doug has some different opinions than us, and that's great as a coaching staff because we can always improve. Um, we can bounce ideas off each other, and uh, I might like something. Doug doesn't like it, so let's figure out which one's the best for our team. Again, Coach, with that, uh, j just a general follow-up on that one. Are, are you getting kind of that same, uh, I don't want to say team of rivals or clash of ideas, type of situation but uh, with your with some of the new staff and some of the people that you have you're are you getting that as well because it really seems again starting to get that chemistry going across the board here from McComb yeah we you know we we're we're starting to and and we we see you know the light that we can have and, and the success that we can have and, and all of us coaches are in agreement we can be a very very good basketball team you know we work tirelessly with watching film and then you know, scouting other opponents and, um, you know, with, with coach meals has been around a long time uh, and, and Doug and Chris Algie's our freshman coach, you know, we work really well together. Uh, we're always striving to be the best possible team we can be. Um, and, and the coaching staff, like I said, works tirelessly to do that. And one thing that I noticed uh, first time I saw you guys was 
Mason Homan just looked so much more comfortable uh, this season compared to last year. Has certainly really grown into his role as one of your go-to scorers. What can you say about what you've seen from him this year and over the last few seasons as well? Uh, Mason's grown a lot. Um, he's still got some room and, and growth to do, um, but Mason has grown a lot in terms of his basketball ability and basketball game. Uh, Mason's always been a really good shooter, um, and, and he has improved in that. He's played a lot of AAU basketball. Um, that also helps him to develop as a basketball player, but not just a shooter. Mason now has added to his repertoire a little bit, and he, he likes to drive it. Um, the night that uh, he did have eight threes in the game, that was huge for him. Uh, it's something that he's really worked at, and, and hopefully we can see some more of that success as we go throughout the season. Yeah, and Coach, talking about your some of your players on your current roster, I mean, obviously, Mason Holman definitely starting to develop his game quite a bit. Um, you do have some other people with height, too, and one that stands out is a, a Bo Tooman, if I'm seeing that correctly, at six foot four as a junior. So two-parter on that one. Does he still have some room to grow? Because if so, my God. And uh, what are you seeing out of him being one of the juniors on this roster that's get, getting some opportunities at the varsity level? Yeah, um, you know, with with Bo, Bo plays a lot of JV. Um, he is uh, still a development. We've been working with him. He's kind of growing into his body. He's six four. He's a big kid, um, you know, and, and he puts forth a, some effort into the game. Um, but he's still got a ways to go in terms of development and and finishing his shots at the basket. Another guy who's been one of your constants, uh, Cam Glazer, started for you last couple of seasons, like like you mentioned before, had some football injuries, so kind of started the season a little slow. What, what can you tell us about what he brings and kind of how he's getting up to speed now? He's almost there. Uh, Camden is a great hard worker. Uh, Camden actually just was awarded a Scholar Athlete of the Week award by WIO and Lima, which is a, a phenomenal accomplishment for Camden. Uh, he's a 4.0 student. Uh, going to finish probably as Val Victorian in his class. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that Camden's a great student athlete, but, you know, on the basketball court, he's coming. Uh, he, he works at it. Um, he, you know, he's, he did suffer that injury in football, which set him back a little bit uh, with his ankle. And, and there are times when he still favors that ankle a little, uh, but, other, but overall he's starting to come. He's starting to finish shots at the basket. We're seeing it more in practice and hopefully we can carry that over to games. He's always been a great rebounder. He's uh, I think he's third in the league right now in rebounding at 8.8 uh, rebounds a game. And actually in the first three games of the season, he had about three rebounds per game. So hopefully, you know, he's going to come back and, and he's going to be full go and, and um, be back to the Camden Glosser that we knew last year. Yeah, and coach, it's not often that I bring up JV players, but by the same token, it is McComb and the last name is Schrader on this particular JV player. So uh, Grady Schrader, I I'm assuming some relation to Mallory, Tanner, and the whole Schrader clan that seems to go through McComb. Um, is he already on the Tanner Schrader or Mallory Schrader path, or is there still some development that needs to happen there? Um Here's the funny thing. He's not even related to those guys. You're kidding. So, um, so there's how many Schraders are there? Hey, come on. This is Macomb. We have a lot of different families, but uh, uh, Grady is a, he's a freshman. Uh, he, he goes to another, the, the Schrader nation clan. Um, and that's just uh, that they call themselves. Um, and uh, Grady's on a good path. He, he works hard. Um, 
he's got a lot of room to improve, but, uh, you know, he is on a good path to a good start here at Macomb. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Macomb head boys basketball coach Nick Ladin. One other thing that I noticed when I saw you guys is kind of the fact that you have basically two point guards on the floor. At least it feels that way with uh, what Preston Rodriguez can do for you along with what we've seen Grant Dishong do. What does that kind of provide for your team to essentially have two point guards on the floor, not all the time, but a decent amount of the time? Yeah, we play those guys a lot together, um, and then you are correct in saying there's two point guards out there. Um, you know, Grant and Preston uh, both do a pretty good job for us. They bring different skill sets. Preston's not a great shooter, but he can get to the basket. Uh, and Grant, I think, is one of our better shooters. Grant can also get to the basket, but they both play very hard. Um, we need them to control the basketball. We need them to handle it and not turn it over. It's nice to have two guys out there that have that ability. We're hoping to see both of them, um, you know, as the season progresses, continue to develop the non-turnovers and, and hopefully that, that can lead to more success for our team. And looking ahead a little bit to this Friday night, you guys have a, a, a tough one for your away game against Arlington. And that just seems to be one of those classic rivalry games in the BVC. What can you tell us about that matchup? What you've seen on tape from them so far? Arlington is a really, really good team. Uh, they do a lot of good things. They play, they like to play quick. Um, defensively, they're aggressive. Uh, they're going to try to take away whatever we try to do uh, with their defensive schemes. Um, and and on offensively, they're really good as well. They got a lot of guys that can shoot it. Um, and they got a big guy inside uh, by Ryler Essinger, who's a, who's a really good post player for them, who can also step out and, and hit some threes. Uh, it's a tough matchup. Um, but with that being said, um, like I said, hopefully we're coming coming into our own and, and starting to understand the game of basketball a little bit better now. And, and hopefully we can give a battle this week and um, come away, you know, feeling good about ourselves at the end of this game. And one of those things to know about Arlington is their environment in that gym. I don't know what it is specifically, but it just always feels like it's jam-packed that there's always kind of that certain feeling you get when you're in that gym. Have you had kind of those conversations, especially when you mentioned you've already had a, some, some road struggles. Have you had the conversation like, Hey, this might be one of, if not the most hostile gym we go into uh, this regular season. Uh, that doesn't really come up in our, in our conversation with the kids, uh, but we know it. Uh, we know that when we go over there, um, it kind of feels like everybody's on top of you, even though it's a, uh, it's a really big gym. I still think everybody feels like they're on top of you. Um, their, their crowd um, is, is um, hostile to say the least. Uh, I love them all. They do a good job. They, you know, they're, they're, um, they're good fans and, uh, but they, they, they come at you, um, you know, both on the playing court or on the court and also from the stands that, they, you know, they're going to be there. They, you're going to know that they're there. Um, and they make their presence felt. So hopefully we can play through that a little bit, knowing it's a big BBC game, both teams two and one in the league. Um, hopefully we can play through that and, and let our games do the talking. And coach, what would be your message for the fan base besides the obvious of join us at the at Arlington so we could even the odds a little bit in the stands, but what would be the message for the team and for the fans this week going into that game against Arlington? Uh, going into the game is, you know, for our team is let's go compete. 
let's make sure that, uh, you know, we take our games over to Arlington and compete with them. Um, because, you know, last year we were able to, to pull out a win against them and we know that they're coming back for a little bit of revenge um, on us, but we can't allow that to happen. Um, for our fans, just be supportive. Be supportive of, of all of our players, of all of our coaches. Be supportive of, of our team and, and, and come cheer us on to win. This has been Macomb Head Boys basketball coach Nick Latta. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck against Arlington on Friday and throughout the rest of the year. Thanks, guys, for having me. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with the Macomb Head Girls basketball coach, Jeremy Herr, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Great news, Fostoria. The new watershed near the corner of 4th and Finley Streets is now open. This watershed offers another convenient location in the southwest corner of town to purchase pure water. You can also use the watershed off of Plaza Drive. Both watersheds are open 24-7 every day of the year. So grab your quarters and your containers and head to the closest watershed near you. For more info, go to nwwsd.org. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a 25 cent shift differential for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome to Bigby Coffee, your home away from home that picks you up and leaves you in a better mood than when you arrived. No matter who you are, we know we'll have a drink for you and her and him. You see, here at Bigby, we can customize our drinks for each person, dairy or no dairy, coffee or no coffee. We've got you covered, hot, iced or frozen. Bigby Coffee is one of a kind, just like you. With locations on Tiffin Avenue and Trenton Avenue in Finley to serve you. Roto-Rooter is always the first name you think of when you have problems with your sewer system or any other household drains. Tim Munger and Roto-Rooter will thoroughly clean your sewer system, sink, shower drains, and toilets. The Mungers have been serving the Faustoria and Seneca County area for over 65 years. Give Tim Munger a call at 419-435-3360. That's 419-435-3360 for all of your drain cleaning needs. And away go troubles down the drain. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 7.30 tonight. We're now pleased to be joined by Macomb Head Girls Basketball Coach Jeremy Herr here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. Glad to be on. Thank you again for, uh, for taking the time to talk with us. Always uh, appreciate when we get to catch up. Absolutely. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. So for you, what was it like? You, you've you been at this, I don't know how many years at this point. Uh, how ma- What was it like for you uh, getting ready for uh, for this season compared to, you know, the last uh, handful of COVID seasons? Uh, well, last year we started to feel a sense of normality. Uh, this year it just, it's, it really is back to normal. Um, I, I feel like like we don't even talk about COVID anymore. It's, you know, we always talk about hygiene and washing hands and taking care of yourself, drinking fluids and that kind of thing. But uh, it's been more just to do that, to avoid getting sick 
<laughs> not COVID sick, mm -hmm. sick. So, uh, and so far, so good. We've, we've stayed healthy. And for you, you didn't have a whole lot of turnover from last year. Only one senior, if I'm remembering right. So how, how much of an impact did that have for you in uh, getting rolling to start the year? Oh, significant, uh, significant impact. We, you know, last year we had uh, a group of girls. I don't want to say that we were inexperienced, but from a varsity standpoint, um, just hadn't had a lot of gelling time. Uh, so that was last season. Last season was uh, them getting to know each other. Um, just didn't have somebody step up and be the scorer. Uh, and I don't know if you've looked at the box scores, but uh, on any given night, I have five, six girls that can that can create offense for me. So that's exciting because it's hard to key on a team that has five or six that can put the ball in the hole. And like you said, you have a handful of players that can all do good things uh, in terms of scoring the basketball. And I think last I saw a seven and two record so far this year. So pretty and pretty good for the most part, of course. What can you say really kind of from an overall standpoint, we're, you know, a little more than a month in uh, to the season now, what's kind of your handle on your team so far through the first month or so? Growth. It's all about growth. And, you know, we're not really concerning ourselves with wins and losses. Uh, just growth and uh, small changes to our practice design, uh, really focusing on individual parts of the game, things like screening, um, how to defend the screen, um, uh, executing a specific uh, ball screen or back screen, um, defensive adjustments, closing out drills, um, really structuring on individual skills of the game and then ap applying that in scrimmage format in short spurts at practice. And um, it helps that our shooting has improved. <laughs> uh, first few games, boy, we left a lot of points on the floor, um, but we've shot a better percentage the last few games, and that's that's helped. This is, we're talking with uh, Macomb Head Girls basketball coach Jeremy Herr here in the Frickers Zoom room from the here as well from the Frickers studios. And I see in the background, I see the Ohio State pennant as uh, as so many of us were, were watching uh, basically as the clock struck midnight on Saturday. Uh, what Obviously, it didn't end the way anyone wanted it to end, but what were kind of your thoughts on, uh, on uh, Saturday as a whole for football? Well, we got to watch the ball drop. Unfortunately, it was wide left. <laughs> Yeah, uh, a lot yeah of it was <laughs> a lot of tears. Uh, you know, we I, we had a lot of family and friends over for a New Year's party at our house, and uh, and yeah, we we were all excitedly watching the game, and really just felt the Buckeyes should have been in, but they, they fell short. You know, give Georgia credit; they did what they needed to do. Same with Michigan. I, I thought Michigan didn't play to par. They they probably should be there too. I was really looking forward to a rematch. I think a lot of people were, even if uh, not everybody wanted to admit that. <laughs> well, how often does that happen? I mean, maybe in the new playoff format, it could happen more frequently, but oh well. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, didn't. Yep, exactly. Uh, before I ask a little more about your team, I'm curious for, for your perspective as someone who's been a coach also principal and administrator at Macomb for a little while. Lots of shifting around in the conference of the BBC as a whole. Lipsick leaves. Hopewell left just before that. 
Corey Ross in North Baltimore, they're out after this season. Elmwood comes in next year, but we also know Liberty Benton uh, is searching for a new league. And we just saw recently Van Lu voted voted out of the league in terms of uh, for football uh, due to health safety concerns. From your perspective, what have, what have you seen from the league with the changes, both in terms of teams leaving, different teams coming in, and different expansion and things of that nature? What's kind of been your viewpoint on all that? I... I... You know, it's I, I wear the unique hat of being a principal and also being a coach. Um, I, 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 I'm not gonna lie; I kind of saw it coming down the pike. You know, it, it's always been a concern uh, with Van Lu fielding a team. You know, concerns with injury. Um, you know, they they've always managed. I'll give them all the credit. Uh, they've always managed to put a team on there. Uh, now, competitiveness was another concern or issue. Um, and then the lopsidedness of the league in terms of sizes of schools, uh, you know, Liberty Benton has roughly 1,600 students, K-12, uh, to a Van Lu that has 200. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty big discrepancy in the league. Um, so I, I kind of saw that as a concern a little bit, but, um, you know, it, apparently people have the same opinion because that's the direction that the league moved um i'm hoping to see that level out and see some uh, stability occur over the course of the next few years um, i think elmwood's a good fit for for the league uh, it's my opinion i think they're going to be competitive in every sport um and obviously they're they're a bigger school similar in size to van buren um, and riverdale um, and then your middle of the road arcadia arlington macomb Pandora, we're all very similar in size, five, 600 students, uh, K-12. Uh, so I, I, I guess I see things stabilizing, hopefully in the near future. Um, you know, it's unfortunate with the, the Van Loo situation. You know, it's a pride thing, I think, more than anything. But, um, you know, I think Van Loo will be more competitive uh, if they go to like an eight-man football league, which I know some schools are, um, especially your smaller schools. Um, Liberty Benton probably is just not a great fit. I mean, they've, they're, they're the beneficiary of geography, um, and the expansion is just there for them right there on the West side of Finland. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't fault anyone. I understand, I guess the perspectives there for, for everybody, um, you know, in our situation, we just continue to try to coach our kids up and compete each time we play. Uh, any opponent in our conference. And now let's switch gears. Go to a more happier note, if you will. Talk <laughs> talk a little more about your team. Didn't want to get too somber, but lots of lots of things in the in the league to touch on. Uh, for you, for for your team, Lydia D. Hart. She's been a solid player. She's gotten time at the varsity level since her freshman year and doing good things as well. At about nine points a game so far in the season. What can you say about her continued development as uh, the years have gone on? Well, what's impressive about Lydia, um, you know, we, we just played Fort Jennings uh, before the, the new year, and uh, there were times that she drew a triple. Uh, hmm. <laughs> so uh, she didn't score as many points in that game, but she was able to chip in five or six assists in that game. Um, so her ability to recognize when it's go time uh, and, and, you know, take the ball to the hole. And when it's, you know, my teammate has a better, better shot 
uh, that development has occurred. Um, you know, she's continued to work on different back to basket moves and, you know, she's, she's a strong girl, obviously six foot. Uh, so the height is there. Um, <laughs> she's definitely a weapon and it's nice to have her underneath, uh, as a presence inside. And as we know, there, there are a few things that come for everyone, no matter what it, it they're inevitable death, of course, taxes. And the third is naturally a Schrader being involved in Macomb athletics, because you got two, you got Madison and McKenzie. What can you tell us about them and how they, uh, how they are to coach? Uh, well, Madison, uh, she has grown here again in the last several uh, few games. So I'd say the back half of our nine games, um, she's turned the ball over less, made better decisions. Um, I think her confidence is growing as a point guard. She has a deceiving quickness. Um, she has another gear that she can get to the hole. Um, and again, I think her decision-making on when to kick when to drive and try to finish um, or even find that little shovel pass to Lydia or whatever, as she's driving in the lane, those are all things that she's grown at um, taking care of the ball as a point guard. Um, and she's sharing that responsibility with sophomore right now, who also takes the ball as, as a point guard. Sometimes, um, you know, I, I think she's a good mentor uh, for the younger players on the team too. That can't be overlooked. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for, you know, Madison's senior year here and how it's playing out. Uh, Kenny, as we call her, McKenzie, um, you know, Kenny is, there's been at least two games that I recall this season where she's been our leading scorer. Um, she's a lefty and she's got a smooth shot. Um, she's that garbage can kid that does all the things that sometimes don't show up on a stat sheet, uh, but she's always contributing positively in one way or another. Uh, so as a sixth man coming off the bench, uh, she has been a solid player for us and very, very, uh, very key part of our offensive scheme. We don't really, I don't like to anyway, feature one person. I know that sometimes that's the case, but uh, with the particular team I have this year, I have confidence in any one of the girls that are on the floor to take the shot if it's there for them, just helping them recognize when that is the time to take the shot or when it's time to, you know, do a certain move, uh, whether it's an individual thing or play within the team offense that we're running. So, um, you know, just have a good chemistry and good group of girls right now. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Talking with Macomb Head Girls basketball coach Jeremy Hearn. You mentioned it before, five, six players that can really all do good things on the floor. Who are some of the players we've either alluded to or haven't directly mentioned that uh, definitely need to get uh, recognized for what they've done uh, for you on the floor so far? Uh, well, that, that girl that I mentioned that's sharing the point guard duties is Casey Like. She's a sophomore, um, arguably one of the better athletes on our team. Uh, very quick, um, just a good kid. She's really grown uh, in confidence. Her shooting, her shot has improved tremendously from the day she walked in the gym as a, uh, a freshman to where it is now. Um, I think she's got confidence to shoot anywhere on the court. Um, and again, her speed is helpful. And then I, of course, I got to mention our other senior, Cassidy Bryan. Uh, Cassidy's uh, a solid presence. She's definitely a threat deep. 
Uh, she can hit shots. Um, she's got a nice little floater in the lane and she's willing to drive off that. Um, so she's a good presence as well. And then I guess rounding out our starters, you get uh, Riley Chef, who, you know, it, it was really a tough decision on who to start. And I try not to put a lot of emphasis on who starts because it's more about how you finish than it is about how you start. Uh, so, but, but Chef, you know, I, I even talked to my seniors about, you know, you know, what their thoughts were and, and it was pretty unanimous. We need to start Sheffy because uh, she gives us that extra kick, that extra jump start. Um, she's got that length and uh, she's got also deceiving quickness. Um, but again, as a sophomore working on decision making and, you know, just growing into playing a, being a varsity athlete is, is that's a, that's a big transition. So, uh, you know, Kelsey Jenkins, Hannah Sherrick, uh, all contributors off the bench. Um, you know, our other junior Irish Shorsh gets some key minutes here and there. So I just, um, again, I, I, I'm excited to coach this group of girls. They're, they're coachable. Um, we have good practices. We have fun. Um, and it's, it's great to see it paying off in the WL columns. So we'll, we'll see. We got a couple tough games this week. Uh, both home, thankfully, but we got Mohawk tomorrow night, and then Arlington comes to town on Thursday. So hopefully we can keep things moving the right direction. So you led right into it, so I'll go right to that that direction with Mohawk on Wednesday. A non-league matchup, obviously, but Emily Klopp, certainly a tough player to deal with at 6'4", 6'5". I know she's listed at both both uh, different places, and She's she's a very very tough player to defend. What what do you what do you see uh, from them from both Emily Klopp and maybe some of the other players uh, on the Mohawk side that you might have to watch out for? Well, I just looked at Lydia and said, "Good luck." No, just, <laughs> no. <laughs> that'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> no, we've had to uh, uh, we've spent a little bit of time talking about uh, ways to defend her and um, not falling into traps on you know how they screen to get her open. And uh, what our guards can do to make that pass tougher, um, it, it's it's a it's a matchup uh, issue. You know, they they can give teams a lot of a lot of trouble because of her height uh, and the way she plays the game. She she posts up well, um, and the guards find her, and you know that's a weapon. So I'm thankful to have uh, Lydia in the paint. Um, still four plus length, probably eight inches of advantage there on, on for them but um i have a i have a feeling that that lydia's up for the task um you know so we'll, we'll see how it all plays out but you know i guess we just got to step up you know we're, we're hopeful to play a solid game shoot a good percentage and and again try to find the consistency with where we're going so far so good you know airsville is a nice team coming into the coming into our court and we were able to stave off a uh, comeback that they had that they actually took the lead in the third and going into the fourth quarter, but um, our team was resilient. So I'm, I'm hoping we can keep that fighting attitude going and um, stave off a very good Mohawk team tomorrow night. And then doesn't get any easier taking on Arlington the following night. I know they've had their share of struggles, but always, uh, always seems to be a tough one when you guys, uh, when you guys match up, what are some of the things you've seen uh, on the Arlington side? They're scrappy. 
they, they just, they fight for everything that they, they get. And, uh, when you have a team that does that, you can't afford to let up. Um, you can't, you can't afford to take breaks because they will, they will cash in and take advantage. Uh, and if you let a team like that hang around, um, they, they just gain confidence and, uh, shots tend to go in more when you're confident. So you, you, with a team that, that has the mentality that Arlington has, you got to play hard and strong from the very beginning and you need to maintain that, um, or they're going to hang around and, um, you know, you get, you get nervous when it's a close game and you, you were hoping that it wouldn't be. So we just got to play loose and have fun, just have fun on the court. Uh, and that's, that's what we've been able to do so far. Um, then, you know, the girls keep track of the wins and losses, and uh, thankfully they're not too caught up in stats, individual stats anyway. Um, we do have a stat board that we update and talk about, look at trends, you know, are we winning the rebound battle? Uh, what can we do different to maybe improve their turnovers have consistently come down. We were up near 20 in the upper teens, and we've lowered that to the mid-teens to, you know, our, our season high was 12 or low, I should say, our season low was 12, and that was um, against Ayersville. So we, we got to keep doing that. We got to keep getting better, uh, taking care of the ball, um, shot selection, just work within the offense that's been instilled. Um, you know, the girls have stopped saying, the offense isn't working to me over the years because I've learned to say, I don't think it's the offense. I think it's the execution. Um, and you know, they stop doing that because they realize they're pointing a the finger at themselves when they do. Um, so I, I, we just got to take care of business, um, have a short memory when things don't go well, um, and, and execute the game plan that we've instilled over the course of practices leading up to these next two games. And then last one I've got for you before we let you go. Um, I remember a couple years ago when we talked, you had mentioned something about singing different songs for different <laughs> matchups. And I remember one of them was to the tune of all-star. I won't ask you to sing. I'm not that mean, but is that still something you do or was that something no, that, that has been retired? It is funny that you say that because uh, I, I forget what game it was. The girl, it was three or four games into the season. And the girl said, cause I had not done it. And uh, they, they said, Hey, can we need the songs back? And I said, listen, when you play to the potential that I know you're capable of playing and we start stringing some wins together, then I will consider bringing that back. <laughs> and gosh darn it, if they have not accomplished that goal. Uh, so I've, I've talked with my wife and I'm like, you know, I got to start uh, thinking through some songs and <laughs> rewrite some lyrics and see how that goes. So yeah, I might have something in store for the girls tomorrow, um, but, but you know, that's, I'm going to keep that under the cap right now. <laughs> this has been Macomb Head Girls Basketball Coach Jeremy Hur. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time with, to talk with us. Good luck on uh, Wednesday against Mohawk, Thursday against Arlington, and throughout the rest of the year. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll be back shortly with more here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Freaking chicken chunks, freaking chicken chunks, freaking chicken chunks, freaking chicken chunks. When there's no time to make food for your holiday party, carry out four pounds of freaking chicken chunks for only $34.99. 
Give the gift that always fits, a $25 Frickers gift card, and get five freaking bonus bucks free. Let them get what they really want. What they really want, freaking chicken chunks, it's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. Need new tires or tire service? Then Wilson Tire Company has you covered. Offering 15 brands of tires and providing 24-hour roadside assistance, Wilson Tire Company can get the job done. In business for over half a century, Wilson Tire Company has three convenient locations. Tiffin, Upper Sandusky, and Kenton. Wilson Tire Company offers mobile services, especially for commercial and farm applications. Check them out on the web for contact information or simply set an appointment from the comfort of your couch. Wilson Tire Company, a trusted partner for all your tire needs. Grit. The word is defined as having courage or strength of character. My name is Mitch Gardner, and I am the owner of Grit. We are a personalized health and fitness organization that will help you find the strength and courage to become the best version of you. Let my staff at Grit encourage you to get healthy in the right way. It's time to take charge of your health for yourself, your family, and your future. Grit is located behind Ace Hardware and Body Works 24-Hour Fitness of Tiffin. Or reach out via email at grit, G-R-I-T-T dot training at gmail.com. Back we are here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI and ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from the comeback. Awful announcing and meet at midfield along with Macomb basketball coaches Nick Latta and Jeremy Herr for joining us on the show tonight. If you missed any part of our show today or just want to hear it again, head over to WFB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons. And we might not uh, be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, you can get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window, dine in, get delivery through DoorDash. Those daily specials, though, dine in only. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. Find them online at frickers.com. And, Matt, we have to make the uh, transition that is uh, certainly not an easy transition to make, and that is, of course, talking about what happened on Monday Night Football only a few days into 2023, but it very well could end up being the story of the year across the sports world with Darren Hamlin currently in critical condition after suffering cardiac arrest during that tackle in the Bills versus Bengals game on Monday night. The game officially postponed about an hour later and may still be rescheduled, but that part not important right now. And Matt, I, I'm sure you feel a similar way, but I had never seen anything quite like that on a football field. And we all knew football was dangerous, but I think a lot of people were still stunned to see it can be this dangerous. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, there is very, very, very few things in in the world that matter less than that Monday night football game right now. What matters entirely is DeMar Hamlin and his health and his recovery. Um, I mean, it's, it, we're, we're getting more information as it becomes available. And as they're, as it's going through, uh, first of all, 
for anyone, anyone of any capacity out there that is either trying to politicize or trying to blame T. Higgins, go get your head checked. And while you're doing that, proceed kindly as far away from the human race as you possibly can. Just no, go away. Just get out of here. You're you're not welcome. This is a young man's life. There are bigger things than your tinfoil conspiracy theories or trying to play the blame game or any of that nonsense. What happened was a freak accident. Perfect positioning, perfect hit at the worst possible time. So all that matters is DeMar Hamlin being able to recover, being able to move forward in his life and go from there. It's uh, sports are scary. You got to think about it candidly and have a candid discussion about all sports are scary. All sports carry an inherent risk. Yes, it happened on a football field, but the most common place that this type of health emergency happens is with teenagers, mostly in baseball getting hit in the chest with a baseball. It happens on the football field sometimes too. And it's tragic when it does, it happens on the basketball court. It happens walking down the stairs at a construction site, getting hit by something. It's, it can happen anywhere. It's, it's, it's the inherent nature of, you know, human beings are very mortal. And as much as we choose to not think it, we're also very fragile. It's we're very, very fragile. It's stuff like this that really puts it in perspective, puts a lot of the risk of sports and extracurricular types of things like that into perspective. And again, the only thing that matters out of all of this is DeMar Hamlin's health and the fact that it sounds like he's on a path to recovery right now. Um and that he is does seem to be improving. And again, that's really all that matters. So for some of the stuff out there, like, oh, when's the game you get rescaled? Who cares? Who, uh, par- pardon my language here, but who the hell cares? That doesn't matter at all. That 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 does not matter at all. If for both of those teams, it's okay, fine. The final score was seven to three. There, problem solved. Let's put the focus back on Demar Hamlin and his health and making sure that he's okay. And frankly, just finding some way to make something like this never happen again. I don't know what that looks like because it's a contact sport, just like all sports to some extent are contact sports. So it's, I don't know what that looks like, but man, that was terrifying. (laughs) It's It's just absolutely terrifying. I've, I've never witnessed something like that in a game in my life and seen something like that. It was, it's it's traumatic. There, there's no other way. Right? It is genuinely traumatic. So, again, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters right now is Demar Hamlin's health, and I I have been continuing to pray for him and hope that he recovers and makes a full recovery. What this means for his career going forward, I I couldn't possibly know. There's been hockey players that have had this happen to them on the ice, and they've gone on to have very full careers. So. It's the only thing that matters at the end of this is his health. And I just continue to pray for him on that. It's a completely apples to oranges comparison. So don't think I'm comparison shopping by any stretch of the imagination. 
the only thing that it really kind of reminded me of in my lifetime was really the Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder game where Rudy Gobert tests positive and kind of everything hits the fan. That's kind of the only thing that's been as kind of sports stopping as what we had on Monday night. And I know other things still happened that were unrelated to the Bills and Bengals game, but it's just one of those. It's one. I feel like it's going to be one of those moments. Everyone's going to remember where they were on Monday night because of the severity of everything that happened. And it's going to be something that's, it's going to be talked about in different ways for many years to come because of all, because of everything happening a, and the fact that it happened on Monday Night Football, there was, I mean, yes, Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points for the Cavs that night. But, you know, by and large, it was the only thing of note that happened on Monday. And that's even considering we had bowl games. We had like the Rolls Bowl. We had other bowl games that were big, huge games happen. And nothing, everything really pales in comparison. Well, that, I mean, everything does pale in comparison. I I mean, it's it's going to be a touchstone moment. It really is. It's, it is going to be one of those moments where you genuinely remember where you were when DeMar Hamlin went to cardiac arrest on the field. And for those of you listening, cardiac arrest means his heart stopped. DeMar Hamlin was dead on that field. Like cl- clinically speaking, they had to resuscitate him on the field. He, he was dead. It's, that that's there's no getting around that simple horrifically terrifying fact and it happened on a hit that was frankly not that intense of a hit i mean you you look through social media you look through highlights from like bowl season you saw that kansas player that took a vicious hit that ended up throwing up afterwards and having a few health issues. I mean, you'd expect this type of thing on that kind of hit, not just T Higgins leaning his shoulder in a little bit and just a good form tackle on top of it. So it's, it's going to be a touchstone moment. This is going to be something that it, it's going to impact the way the game is probably played to some extent moving forward in the maybe not so distant future, the same way that the uh, diagnosis of diagnoses of CTE and the concussion protocols had to change the game in some capacity. I mean, this is, this can happen to anybody kind of thing. It's not a, had a preexisting condition or he was, you know, genetically predisposed or anything of that type to this it can happen to anyone so yeah it's there are some other things that happened on monday i i got to be very fortunate got to actually see the Cavs game itself so i got a lot of this the stuff for monday night football secondhand but yeah that, that's what everyone's gonna remember is what happened to demar hamlin so again it's really what matters is just as long as he's okay going forward We'll we'll take we'll take the other things as they come, but what matters right now is him making a recovery. That that's about it. And not that there's a good way to transition, but Matt, I know one one guy in the world of sports that you are not a fan of. I'll put it uh, in a light tone. 
Uh, Dana White had a domestic charge come out against him uh, from an incident in Vegas over the holiday weekend. And I, I'm actually kind of confused just because ESPN, I feel like either hasn't reported it or is very hush hush about reporting it. But what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on what we saw in that situation? Well, first, Lance, let me just state what is incredibly obvious and should be obvious to everyone out there, but sadly isn't to a fair amount of the male population. It's never okay to strike a woman, ever, period. Full stop. If you hit me with a, but what about this, but what about that? I just kind of want to hit you instead. There is never a situation where it is okay to strike a woman in any capacity full stop. No, Dana White is a horrible human being. He's a despicable human being. He does not pay his fighters nearly enough. He forces them into practically pre-civilization gladiatorial, oh, you only get something if you win for me kind of things. Doesn't cover their insurance. Doesn't help with their medical expenses. He's no better than Vince McMahon who was a despicable human being. The only difference between the two is that Vince McMahon through plastic surgery still has hair. Dana White looks like a steroided egg. That's about it. Having this situation, having this incident occur, it's despicable. I understand he's the president of UFC, so he reports to himself. But the, the UFC needs to do a better job. They need to do a much better job. One, finding some way to hold this just garbage human being accountable for a variety of his issues and problems. And two, not having this type of thing be the norm. I mean, with respect to the UFC, there is a lot of good, respectful fighters, combatants, competitors in the UFC that are good people. UFC also has one of the highest rates of domestic abuse charges amongst their competitors and amongst their administration of any sport in the country. Something needs to change. Something needs to be done with UFC to clean it up, frankly. And for my money, it would be throw Dana White onto Fight Island and he could take his buddy Joe Rogan with them. And I don't know, whoever survives on their little Mortal Kombat Island out there gets to come back to civilization, I guess. But... No, this is, it's absolutely disgusting, that video. It just further reaffirms my stance on Dana White just being a trash human being. And frankly, I really hope that his wife does press charges because as little as he pays his fighters, he's worth a good bit of money. You need to make him suffer. This grown man child needs to have repercussions at some point in his life. And I, I hope this is the start of that for him. And I I don't even know where else to go without it turning into a massive tirade about how horrible the human being he is. But again, bottom line, disgusting, not surprising from Dana White that he is this type of horrible human being. And frankly, somebody within UFC needs to step in and put him in his place, get him out of there, or frankly, knock him down a peg or two because he is absolutely, for my money, wrecking the sport and being one of the worst influences in sports and in America right now today.
That'll do it for us tonight. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from the Comeback Awful announcing being at midfield, along with Macomb basketball coaches Nick Latta, Jeremy Herr for joining us on the show tonight. Stay tuned on WFOB. We'll join the Cleveland Cavaliers audioverse for their matchup with the Phoenix Suns in progress in Cleveland. Former broadcast partner Matt Common, this is Lance Moore signing off from the Frickers studios for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Everyone deserves a team of experts. Through Blanchard Valley Health System's membership with the Mayo Clinic Care Network, our doctors have access to the Mayo Clinic's knowledge, resources, and team of specialists. Our experts have experts, giving you the care you need close to home at no additional cost. For more information, please call 1-844-530-CARE. Blanchard Valley Health System. We're here for you. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right, they can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. And by the caring employees of the Ropey Corporation. We know what it takes. We've done it all. At Five Star Maintenance and Construction, we built our crew on the foundation of dedication, hard work, and pride. Pride in a job well done that exceeds our clients' expectations and is executed with precision from start to finish. Welcome to Five Star Maintenance and Construction. We have been a leader in the industry of property preservation and construction management in Northwest Ohio. Each division of Five Star has a seasoned team to tackle even the most challenging property preservation and a dedicated on-site property manager for each property. Five Star Maintenance. We know what it takes. You deserve a more empowering banking experience, and Premier Bank is giving you one. Earn $200 when you open a new simple checking account, and you'll enjoy easy mobile banking, no monthly account fees or minimum balance, and surcharge-free access to over 37,000 ATMs nationwide. Then get ready to enjoy $200 worth of, well, whatever you want. Visit yourpremierbank.com simple200 to view offer details. Premier Bank. Powered by people. Offer valid through September 30th. Member FDIC.